Notebook podcast coming to you live from Las Vegas, Nevada, the Campaign and Election Read Awards. We are here with literally thousands in the audience who have came to see the Latino Bull podcast. I appreciate y'all keeping it down out there. There you go. Thousands of people here in the Aria Hotel, Mike Madrid. Have you been to the Aria before? I've never been to the Aria Hotel, but I will say this. If there are any doubters that you hear only the facts and the truth of the Latino Book podcast, you probably just have to dispel with this notion at this moment. So thank you all for coming. Uh, thank you for those of you that have been listening in. As most of you know on the podcast, uh, Chuck handles most of the Democratic side of the messaging and discussion. I handle the Republican side. We've been at this for 30 years working with this segment of the votes. Uh, it gets pretty heated. Uh, we don't agree on any policy at all, but we are genuinely committed to the community, and that's what I'm excited about, not only being here at the Read Awards live doing this podcast, but the panel that we've got assembled today. Yeah, Mike, and I appreciate for all of you who had never met Mike Madrid, I'm curious, who had never met Chuck Roach, and how many of y'all actually thought I was the Republican, and he was a Democrat with them little sissy shoes that he wears, but I am, in fact, a Democrat, and he is the Republican. Let's make sure we're clear. We're honored today. Uh, to be joined by two of our friends, one from Univision and one from Telemundo. Now, my idea was to have a mud wrestling competition, but I got outvoted. So what we did instead is we're going to talk about the way Spanish media and about the way Latinos consume information. Because this is actually going to be a podcast where me and Mike help y'all figure out some secrets that we know about how to get to the Latino vote. So we're literally going to be explaining to black folks how they can take our job. So the second thing we're going to be doing uh, is introducing, um, we're going to start with you, Martha, from uh, Univision, then we'll go to Romero. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell the folks what you do, because I'm not going to do justice to your big title that I saw while I go on your three different business cards. Hi there, so I'm Martha Salazar, I'm with Univision, Televisa Univision. I am a Director of Agency Relations, and basically our job is to evangelize for the Hispanic voter, and just let them, let the parties President of Sales for Telemundo Las Vegas, based here in Vegas, and now uh, most recently assigned to the markets of Sacramento and Fresno. Um, I've been here in Las Vegas for the last, uh, this is going to be my 13th year, uh, so I've seen a lot of growth and opportunity of where the market has been going, especially when we're talking about political revenues uh, streaming into this market and the growth potential that this market has had is experiencing still to this day. Uh, my responsibility is primarily to make sure that we generate enough you know, revenue to meet our operating plans for the station. And now, I should say, multi, uh, multiple stations, again, with Sacramento, Fresno, and Las Vegas. And Mike, I think we wanted to get started by kind of giving a little bit of the lay of the land. Well, look, I think the biggest question uh, surrounding what's going to happen in 2024 is can the Republican Party continue to build on the successes that we saw? I don't think we're surprised much at all. Donald Trump gets about 37% of the votes. That continues in what was otherwise a remarkably good year for Democrats or a remarkably weak year for Republicans, depending on their perspective. That seems to be established a new baseline. And most of that movement has happened in specific areas of the country, uh, but it is beyond country of origin. It's beyond generational splits. It's beyond educational differences. And what we are questioning now is whether uh, Donald Trump, if he's the nominee, is able to continue to build on that number, that 37% number, which is, 
It's not as high as it was with Reagan hitting 40% of what I was doing George W's uh, stuff uh, when we hit 40 or 44%, but it's, it's, it's towards the top end of the standard range. And then, of course, Ron DeSantis comes onto the scene where he's overperforming not only with Cuban voters, which is expected, right? Dramatically overperforming. Uh, but he's winning the Puerto Rican vote, and he's winning the Mexican-American vote, he's winning the Venezuelan vote. This is really the first time a Republican has put up these types of numbers. And the question then becomes, is that transferable? And so um, when we're looking at the Latino vote, we are now saying that the, the baseline vote of what was happening in the Floridas of the world, what was happening in the Arizonas of the world, what was happening even in the Nevadas of the world, has to be looked at in context when we start looking at states like Georgia, when they start looking at races like North Carolina and Pennsylvania, states where the margin of victory um, is going to be smaller than the growing share of the Latino vote. Wisconsin, for example, there are now more Latino voters in Wisconsin than there are African American voters. And understanding this segmentation is going to be really key to the 270 map, and a lot of what we are learning and a lot of what we're learning from the data from these two stations is really going to determine whether some of those successes from both parties is transferable to these other battleground states that are not your traditional Latino states. So the 270 map has changed. It's changed dramatically. The Ohio's aren't as important now as the Georgia's. The Nevada's are a lot more important now than, than uh, other states have been. And as we're looking at this movement, most of it is directly correlates to the fact that the Latino a segment of the electorate has grown measurably, markedly, and is turning out turning out at higher rates than we've seen in the past. Yeah, and we're going to get into the spin in this into the spending, not spin for all you spin doctors, but S P E N D. Anyway, we're going to get into the spending of, of that being a real difference in what we see in results. But before we talk about the spending in Nevada, before we talk about some spending with Marta in Florida. Let's think about the House and the Senate map that we're walking into for both parties. There's probably never been a more horrendous or scary Senate map for Democrats than what we're going to see in this election. Having to defend so many states that are in fact red and purple that have Democratic incumbents from West Virginia to Montana to Ohio. Those are just the three big ones. And then you throw in, what, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and you see a nightmare scenario for Democrats having to defend a lot of turf that a lot of Latinos live in, but then also a lot of Republicans live in. So Latinos will have a huge, huge impact on this Senate election. And you'll see this with what spending will be described in the last election, which I would like to say there was more off-year Spanish language spending ever in the history of American politics spent in the last election, and it was still less than 1%. Let me say that again, still less than 1% of the spend. So yeah, hooray for us, we spent a lot of money, but it's still just this much compared to that much that's out there. So we'll get to that point with our two great panelists, and that's why I wanted them to be here. So that's just the Senate. In the House, this is really important. For the first time in the history of American politics, there are 10 marginal seats. That means they don't differentiate in performance from Democrat to Republican in less or more than two points. There are 10 of those seats that have more than 40% Latino population. 
starting in Miami, Florida with Florida 27, going over to Texas 15, Texas 34, going over to New Mexico 2, going up to Colorado 8, looking over to Arizona 6, and then the three big juggernauts in California that were all won by Joe Biden that are currently represented by Republicans, which is California 13, California 22, and California 27. Yes, I do this for a living, they're memorized, this is where I live, these are the Mexican seats, so me and Luis and the team are out just trying to get those 10 campaigns. But those will determine who will be in charge of Congress, and Latinos play a huge part of who's going to win that. So talking to Latinos and reaching them in these places are complicated. That's why we've asked two experts here to talk about what they have seen. I'm going to ask the first question of Telemundo about the state that we're in here in Nevada with my brother Romero. And Romero, the question is, I've been running campaigns for 32 years. And I spent a lot of time going back to my steelworker days in Las Vegas, where it used to be the only place big enough to hold our annual convention because we needed 5,200 rooms. <laughs> and being here in Las Vegas with steelworkers for two weeks is a separate podcast that we'll do on the after hours edition. But for now, let's talk about the amount of money that I saw spent in Nevada that I have never seen spent in Nevada before in Spanish. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and Univision can jump in here too because it was split around to all the stations. But I saw over $10 million on TV alone in Spanish that was spent over an eight-month period, which was also earlier than I've ever seen it uh, done before. And did I have those numbers right? And what was that impacting your state, Romero? Uh, yeah, you're, you're right about uh, around there. Yes, uh, the impact in our state, basically in the airwaves, it was just all political, all advertising. Uh, I, I've been here in the market, as I said, uh, 12 years, this is my 13th year, but over the years, uh, the amount of expenditures that have been here in this marketplace have just been significant. Uh, I would estimate, uh, Chuck, that it's probably around 250, if not 350 million total, which Hispanic ended up, uh, it, it ends up around 4% of the total expenditure. Uh, this past year, we ended up experiencing about 11 to 12 million on just pure Hispanic uh, revenue. And we command about a 50 to 55 share of audience here in this marketplace. So we just kind of give it a 50 50 split with our uh, Entrevision Univision affiliate here in this marketplace. Uh, but definitely, uh, you know, eyes were on this state. Uh, and they, and I believe, well, uh, at least the Democratic side saw a lot more uh, of an importance, obviously, with that Senate seat uh, in contention. And uh, there was a lot of uh, pressure, and, and you know, it, it was a significant amount of expansion that I think definitely carried uh, Cortez Maxwell through. Let me ask you a follow-up before Mike asks the fourth question. I know he has for Univision. Is that did you in that spending that I saw? It, was I in fact from tracking this? And we did some independent expenditure work. I was tracking the daily buys. Am I wrong to think that Democrats outspent Republicans in Spanish media in Nevada two to one? I would say so. Yeah. And the Democrat won. Yes. Well, and she also went early. <clears throat> that was the whole case. Right. And she's never gone as early as she did. She did the senator. Senator. Um, and she stayed on air, but it was actually SP that did most of the spend. I was going to get to that point. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mike, you ask your question, we'll get to the SP. Well, look, I think we're getting on to something that I think is really important. And again, as a Republican who's been running races since the early 90s and worked with the RMC way back in the early New Majority Project. We've always talked a big game about showing up and you know, sometimes we throw a few hundred thousand here, a few hundred thousand there. The, the 2020 cycle and the 2022 cycle were fundamentally and foundationally different. 
Now, I'm not saying that that spend needs to get to where it needs to be, but Martha, I'm hoping you can share with us a little bit about what happened in the one state where the red wave did materialize, which was Florida, and where Republicans dramatically, not marginal, dramatically overperformed with all segments of the Latino vote, uh, primarily because of that investment. Uh, when you do show up, you do get the results. And let me be really clear, Republicans have been very, very afraid and very reticent about the Latino vote for the past 30 years. I can't believe I've been doing this for 30 years, but like when Chuck said that, I started doing my math and realized, yeah, I'm, I'm younger looking and better looking than Chuck, but we've been doing this for the same amount of time. So, so if you could talk to us a little bit about the investment that has gone on in Florida, why that made a difference from what maybe you were saying in other parts of the country. So in 22, the Dems, the, the, the Dems collapsed, the, the, the whole messaging with them just collapsed in 22. The Republicans in Florida have done an incredibly great job of actually having a year-round ground game. And I mean, if you take a look at, at Rick Scott, you may like the guy, not like the guy, but he's been very involved in the community. If you take a look at DeSantis, it's doing an even better job than what Rick Scott did. Um, and he's able to engage with the community on the ground early, consistently, um, and being, you know, you take a look at somebody like, you look at a market like Miami, um, predominantly Cuban, predominantly Colombian and Venezuela, very conservative, right? But even though Florida may be red at this point, Miami is still purple, even with all that. Um, but the messaging, he has been doing a very good job, or he did a very good job in 22, of, of spending proportionately to the market, as opposed to, you know, just throwing a couple. And is that, was that different than you were seeing maybe in other parts of the state? Because the Republicans were also investing very heavily in the Rio Grande Valley. And even though they may not have won all those congressional seats, they closed the margin dramatically. They did. And, and that's and the it, first time they've actually gone into the Rio. That's, right. Well, since I was doing the Bush stuff in 2000 was last time, but right. that was 22 years ago. Right, right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the, the bottom line is, when Republicans aren't afraid and go make the investment early, even if they may not be winning, they're closing the margins enough to make them competitive. Absolutely. Um, I mean, quite honestly, the Democrats did not, Target did not message to Hispanics. They did the bare minimum. And the result was they lost. And, but I think it's also important to push back there a little bit to say that they collapsed in Florida, that there was a, there was a, there was a decision that you could see that was made, and all of us in here have been in those rooms. I, look, I keep forgetting I'm in a room full of other folks that do what we do, Mike. Is that I don't know if the strategy was wrong, but I think we'll heap, or re, heap, re, read the, the, what happened, right? And that is Democrats at the Senate level was like, we're not going to compete here at the governor's level. We're not going to compete, so we're going to double down in Arizona and Nevada, and they won, and we have a one-seat majority in the Senate, so it is good strategy. But what do you sacrifice for that good? You sacrifice this long-term messaging where if I'm right, Marta, and I'm gonna ask you, uh, it seemed like at least that, that Republicans, opposite of Nevada, outspent Democrats at least two to one on Spanish language communication statewide in that race. I mean, statewide in Florida, Was it, is that true? I would say probably that, yeah, that number sounds. I knew that they had spent way more. It could have been five to one more, but I know when I was tracking that I saw that the governor's candidate raised a whole lot more. Well, no, we some Spanish language. Me and Mike talked about it on the podcast. But I, there was no Democratic Governors Association, no DSCC, no Senate Majority back there. 
where in just Nevada and Arizona, with the one super PAC, there was over $22 million spent Spanish over eight months, which pretty much, if you take that spend and look at the entire national spend in Spanish, it's that made up 90% of it was one candidate, I mean one super PAC and two states. That means if you take all the DCCC, RNC, all their super PACs, what they spend in Spanish was less than 10% of the entire rest of the entire United States in Spanish spend. So when you look about what well, Chuck had is, how do you get the Latino vote? Are they trending right? Are they trending left? Well, the one thing that we've known up until this cycle is there was just not a lot of money and resources put into reaching our community, Mike. Is that not fair to what we've been saying? I think that's the bottom line. And it's obviously a, a, a mix. Spanish language is, is more than just symbolic, right? And a lot of consultants are going, yeah, but how many Latinos speak Spanish or know Spanish? What I will say is this. When you make that investment, that symbolism reaches far, far beyond uh, just the Spanish-speaking dominant community, and it makes for substantive differences. I can say that for having done this for three decades. It just does. It just works. It's where you begin your program and kind of build off of that. And what's nice now, we're talking about this a little bit beforehand, it's great to be able to sit down with Telemundo and Univision to sit down about a multi-language strategy now, a multi-platform strategy. And their teams really understand that nuance in a way that maybe they did 25, 30 years ago uh, when you had hair, right? It's, it's oh, just changed. It's just changed. It, it's, 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 there's a nuance to the market and understanding that there are these different segmentations and different ways to, to you know, over-index, I think it's over-index on, on mobile, it's a decidedly younger constituency. It's recent, more recently migrated. There's all of these things, college educational differences. The gender gap, by the way, is larger in the Latino community than any other racial or ethnic group by a significant margin. And you see that in voting patterns, you see that in voting behavior, and to be able to sit down with the demographers at both of these stations and actually have this type of political discussion is unique, it is different, and it is making a difference in these races. Let me ask both of you the same question, and we'll, we'll start with you, Romero, is the electorate has changed from the Avalitas watching Univision or Telemundo every evening, and they do, and they're watching their news, consuming. Tell me the other ways that each one of your networks are using a multi-platform to reach voters other than just buying the 30-second commercial. Sure. They, so we're, uh, we're now uh, having to uh, have a uh, digital platforms, OTT, uh, with the NBC Peacock and Spot On uh, opportunities. Uh, those particular mediums are helping us out when you combine those with obviously the power and strength of our, of our network, Telemundo and its programming. Uh, and all the other uh, sub-networks that we have in cable channels. Uh, it, it's, been, it's been a great um, uh, you know, way to cover practically every single uh, avenue to a certain degree. Um, but yes, uh, you know, digital is where it also it's where it's going because the Hispanic uh, population, especially here in Vegas, definitely consumes a lot more uh, medium to, through, through, the, through their mobiles, through their you know, uh, digital platforms, basically. And Martin, you've seen uh, advertisers want to take advantage of that, or are they still coming to you just wanting the 30-second Spanish ad, or are you driving towards your new app and the new technology you are developing? So, let's start with the new, uh, the 22 voter turnout data, right? So, most, I think we have five states right now that are out. Pretty much all of them have shown that the biggest increase in growth was with the younger demographics, 18 to 34. So, the younger voter, the younger audience, Hispanic or non-Hispanic, still have the same interests. Music, sports, celebrities, that kind of thing, right? So you take a look at something like Univision and you look at the programming. We have 
Um, we have all the music awards, the major music awards on, on our broadcast, on our digital platforms. On our digital platform, we have VIX, which is our first ever all Spanish, you know, in Spanish, original content platform where we have sports, where we have news, where we have um, novellas. It's, it's not just Rabuitas anymore. It's the younger, uh, the younger audiences are looking for programming that they want to watch, and we have all of that to show them and to, and to offer to them. And so the who want to sell things to our community are utilizing all of this. Whether it's the VIX, whether it's online, whether it's Peacock, like all the things, and this is not a podcast to say one of these networks are better than the others. But if you take these two networks together, you can reach about 99% of all Hispanics uh, in the country in Spanish language. That's why we're doing this exercise in big places like New York and Miami. There's a few other smaller stations. But if big, if I'm trying to sell you a Toyota pickup truck, I bet they're buying every uh, avenue that they could to reach our community. And please tell me if I'm wrong, but do you see political advertisers being as intentional about that or not? You know, I think that this past uh, election, we did not see that as much, honestly. And I think, because we're, I think we're in a transformational phase as the way uh, our, you know, our audiences are consuming and specifically speaking to this market, uh, it, it's something that we're seeing a shift. And honestly, it, it's something that they probably will need to exploit come 2024 and anything moving forward. Uh, it's not just about what you're seeing on the 30-second spot on air over the broadband uh, airways. It's more now about the digital platforms and how, uh, again, how we're being able to consume media a lot more differently. So it's, a bit, it's going to be an interesting uh, election next year, but I, I do think that taking advantage of those platforms is going to be very key uh, to reaching every eyeball they can. I'll just say, so one of the real transformations I think I've seen on Spanish language mediums is, is again, the, 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 the market that you guys have been able to identify on these digital platforms. Because it used to be you had to buy with these really big inefficient spends on broadcast. It's not like that anymore. It's not, it's not like these to say, it's not your grandfather's Cadillac anymore. It's, it's not your abuelita's novella anymore. It's a different medium. And it has caught up with the times. And not only it has caught up, it's really driving that change. So let me, let me ask this question. Can you tell me where you are seeing the most significant regionally increases in the purchasing? Uh, where's the most action at? Where do you think that will be in 2024? What states? Arizona, Nevada, California, Texas. Tra traditional states. Traditional. Yeah. We and Michigan. See, yeah, because we didn't see much spending outside of that in the last election. And for all of you, you keep hearing me go back and forth and talking about the dramatic underinvestment. So think about it this way. If 70% of Latinos or Hispanics consume information in English, and that, that's a relative term all depending on where you are. In the Valley of Texas, it may be 60%. In Miami, it's going to be way more Spanish. But as an average nationally, 60 to 70% of folks are going to consume in English. Well, if the political buy is just doing 1% of what they could be doing in Spanish, then they're giving up 29, 30, 40% of folks that they're not reaching. And in these congressional districts, you don't see either side really adhering to that. And then when you buy your English, we're seeing that bought based off of eyeballs in English that they assume are white suburban persuadable women. So the ads in English are targeted towards that demographic, which in fact, it's a persuadable demographic, but
but the Latino English consumer is on Wix or on a English platform on a on a Latino focused app, on a Latino focused YouTube, and that's where they're consuming. My son has the same name I have, and has two beautiful sons that are my grandsons, Wyatt and Rowan Rocha, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's 30 years old, he don't own a TV. Somehow he watches what he watches through his gaming system. Like, I don't even know how that operates, I'm so damn old. But this is how younger folks are consuming, right? You have multi-generational homes, which hasn't changed with our community. So you have the grandmother and the grandsons living in the same place. Me and Mike talk about this a lot on the podcast, about how we look to our grandmother to lead the family and what's going on there and the cultural competency to reach out to that group of people. That's why you saw Democrats got a wake-up call. Let's go back to what Mike said. Mike talked about an overperformance in 20, which is in fact true Republicans overperform with Latinos in 20. That was a slap in the face to Democrats. And folks with lots of money in Senate races, like the majority pack for the Democrats, said, we're going to spend. And we're going to spend just as much, if not more. So you saw an influx of $22 million going into two big states. So that's them trying to take care of a problem with a lot of money in Spanish. And by God, they won both races. You can argue the tactics when it started, but they won. Opposite in Florida, Democrats are like, mm, I don't think we're going to do nothing down there. And I think that they're going to be, and DeSantis and all of them bought this advertising without an alternative argument. People want a quick fix, but there's been long time work that's got us to where we're at. And it's going to take a long time solution to get us out of that. But what we do have is eyeballs of two of the leading stations that do this work, who see other folks that are so far ahead of where we are in politics, advertising to our community. Folks haven't stopped long enough. And I know the folks here with Univision, the folks here at Telemundo will tell you this about our community, and I want to get to this next. Sorry, this is not a question I've prepped you for. Talk about it from the heart like I do. Is this brand loyalty. Latinos are brand loyal. We are loyal to the certain kind of bread that we eat, to that certain soap opera we're watching, to that certain news anchor, who, whether it's Jorge Ramos or somebody on some other station, like they are brand loyal. Because we haven't been here long enough, many generations, to figure out all the different options. And it's the same way with politics to a certain degree. Donald Trump was very popular with Latinos. He was a brand. Whether you like it or not, Bernie Sanders was very popular with Democrats. He had a brand. That's what I'm getting at. It's what both parties are missing when we go in thinking that as Democrats, we're just going to talk to about immigration, or if we're Republicans, we're just going to talk to about whatever thing Donald Trump's talking about this week. Neither one of those really do work, and we're seeing that work less and less. So are there things out there, remember, put you on the spot and then Mark, about what we're missing, and what are things that you see other advertisers doing that are not political advertising that's smart on your stations? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, to your point, it, it's just, it, it is, it's changing a lot uh, in, in the way people are consuming, um, but, you know, we're, the brand, to your point, it's the brand. I think the brand, you know, it's, it, their Telemundo it, it's, it has changed its name significantly under the leadership of our, of our current owners. Uh, we provided a, a lot more uh, news opportunities. We were so underrepresented here as far as news opportunities, as far as, you know, uh, versus English-speaking stations. And, you know, they've, it, it's really worked for us as far as our strategy because we're keeping our community a lot more informed. It's associated more with the brand. It's not just about the programming. It's not about the mini-series. It's more than novellas for that matter. But it's really kind of keeping everybody more informed about what is going on in the community. People have, have, since 2016, since that general election, in my opinion, 
it, it's, uh, it's, it's shifted that, that dynamic of focus on, hey, it's really important to find out who we should vote for. It's not just that we're going to vote for a Democrat anymore. The Hispanic, uh, you know, uh, uh, in Vegas, it, you know, that margin used to be a lot wider, about 30-some percent. Now that margin between Democrat and, and, uh, and Republican to, to, be, to, uh, to think about voting for them, it's around 11 percent. And so if the Democrats continue to uh, spend, or I should say the Republicans continue to spend, there might be a challenge again here facing in 2024. You know, but, uh, yeah, let, let, me, let, me, let me jump into that point because I, not only do I agree with that, but I've been saying that publicly, and I've been saying on the podcast. We, when we look at the, the, the 2020 cycle, the 2022 cycle, and you look at the 37% Republican baseline, and it's a new baseline, by the way. This isn't a swing vote, that's a baseline. It's a floor, but it's also a ceiling. Republicans made the right investment. Every, every metric I've been looking at for decades now suggests that the real baseline should be sitting at 40, 41%. If, if, if Republicans get 40% of, of the Hispanic vote and Latino votes, that means Georgia goes red, that means Arizona goes red, that means Wisconsin goes red, that means North Carolina opens up, and it also means that uh, Nevada becomes much more contentious. So the fact that just that three-point shift in the voter model with each one of those demographic, with this demographic, which you target specifically on these platforms, changes the whole calculus of the map to 270. Thank you, Mike. And, and Marty, I want to bring you in. Univision has such a big national viewership nationwide in a lot of these big markets, Miami, New York, LA. And when I'm out in those areas, I see all of this advertising going on. That's so non-political. There's just the majority non-political advertising, and they're not doing that because they want to waste money. They're doing that because there's eyeballs on these sets watching Univision. And so, what are you seeing those folks do that it's working for? Are they buying the commercial and then they're going and buying the digital to reach the younger folks? And are they doing things in the community as well? But what are the advertisers doing on Univision that you think that teach us political folks something about advertising? So I would say it's probably all of the above, all right? All of the above, right. But I think, I think what happens is that both the Dems and the Republicans kind of go down this rabbit hole. Everybody thinks that immigration is probably the top, you know, uh, the top uh, issue. issue, important, thank you. Uh, but if you take a look at Florida, for example, environmental, safety, just like, you know, the magazine uh, celebrities are like us, you know, they also eat at restaurants and blah, blah, blah. Hispanics are just like non-Hispanics. We have issues other than immigration. For the most part, if you're voting, you're actually already an American citizen, or right? And so immigration really doesn't matter to you that much. It's important, but it's maybe 10 as opposed to one or five. Um, econ uh, ec uh, economic issues, uh, healthcare, um, abortion. That was one of the top issues, probably in all the states, not just Florida, where people thought, oh, they're so conservative, they're so Catholic, they're so whatever. That this is going to be something that you know they'll be against, or they're going to be very Republican about it. But it was the opposite. This was, you know. So the thing is, just start looking at Hispanics as just people. Where we're at the swing block. We're not so much a Hispanic block. We're a swing block. We are persuadable. You take a look at a market like Florida. Twenty-nine percent is nonpartisan, and they can be persuaded. But if you speak to them early, engage with them early, and sustain in sustain that throughout, you know, throughout the entire cycle as opposed to the last quarter. 
you're going to get somewhere. They'll listen to you. And I think that's what the retail side of the world has figured out, which is why they brand to it. But political ones do the same thing. They just need to brand to the people and just treat them as a swing block. Mike, I have a question for you. It, we haven't thought about this, but as we lead into these primaries that are going to start happening in the spring, you start seeing the presidential primary start gearing up. Donald Trump just had his rally in Waco. You're going to see other people announce and come out. So that means to me, they're going to start advertising as we move into the late summer and fall in these early states. Do you think that will have an impact if we have no primary in the Democratic side? We're not spending money as early. And if they're trying to court a Latino vote in those primaries, where again, there's no alternative message, will that have an impact? I think the, start, the smart strategic move, but I'm not sure if this will happen, but it, I, I think it could, is if the RMC actually made the investment as opposed to the individual campaigns. I mean, look, the truth of the matter is there are not a lot of Republican operatives that are eyeing this segment of the vote as a key to their path in a Republican primary. That's just the truth. But the party, with higher Latino turnout in an environment where that's the only discussion happening, can bring those Latinos into the Republican fold. Again, we're talking about the margins, one, two, three percent. And they, the likelihood of, a, of, a, of any voter who votes in a partisan primary, in, a, in that primary, them staying with that party in the general is exponentially higher. So it, it, going into a state like a Georgia, going into a, a, an Arizona, going into a Nevada, is just not that expensive in terms of an investment to get the return back. Uh, I saw this tactic used multiple times in the 1990s in California, and it worked like a charm. Have the rest of the, the Republican operatives or, or folks at the RNC figured that out? I don't know, but you're asking the right question. These are smart people. Uh, they haven't made those kind of smart decisions yet, but they also haven't really had to. And the math has just changed. So while I don't see the candidate campaigns doing it specifically, I do see a smart move uh, for, for a fraction of of the return they're going to get from the party infrastructure itself, either the state parties or the national party. Let me tell you a little bit more about the Spanish language vial that we saw in the last election. It may have been the biggest and still just 1% of the total spend, but let me tell you a little bit more about it that won't shock you, or I hope it does shock you. It's really shocking that one organization spent 90% of the money in just two states. That by itself is shocking enough. But if I told you that every ad that was run, again, 95% of all of that ad spending, of all the Spanish language in the entire country, Senate, governor, all of the above, was all negative advertising against the opposition party's candidate. There was not a single piece of positive Spanish language communication going to our voters that said why to vote for somebody, just why not to vote for that woman or that man. Because all of you operatives in here, I'm pointing at all of you, because you're a lot smarter than me, you've been doing this a long time, you've been to college, you've got all that thing going for you, is that they know that a super PAC is set up to tear somebody down. All of this spending is coming from a super PAC, and that's good. It worked. We won. Democrats won Arizona Valley. But the campaigns, the campaigns themselves didn't spend hardly any money telling our community why they should vote for a Democrat or for a Republican. It was just the same nasty ad against that politician with some oppo research in Spanish that looked a lot like the English ad, and it was the same oppo that was just run in that marketplace. And does that land and does that work? 
Absolutely it works, or they wouldn't do it. But to Mike Madrid's smart point, it's the margins. It's the folks that you're missing. It's giving somebody some reason to vote for something than to vote against something. We're missing that. Then you couple in when they're targeting our community in English, and they're not making a separate ad for the English that's focused on the Latino community, run on that Univision digital channel, or run on that uh, Telemundo channel in their English platform setting. That's when you start getting that 2 and 3% back, right, Mike? Well, not only that, but positive ads work far greater, to much greater effect uh, with Spanish speakers than it does with English-speaking audiences for a couple of reasons. The first, again, a lot of it is just a function of demography. As younger folks, these are people that are much more optimistic, naturally optimistic. And by a wide measure, a wide, wide measure on every poll you can ever possibly look at, Look at the Hispanic sample of is the country moving in the right direction or the wrong track? Do you think that the, the future is better for you uh, or, or will it be better for your children? Are you optimistic about tomorrow? By a factor of four or five, Hispanics are far more optimistic about where the country's at and where it's going. That's where you message into that. You message positive, it's like the old days. Now we start with negative, right? When we were younger in the business, you would introduce your candidate. You can run a longer pro-party, pro-candidate message and build that base, that bulwark against the incoming attacks in a way that you can't do in English-speaking mediums anymore. And we're getting close to the end of this. I want to go to our panelists uh, for a final thought. And the question I'd like each of you, which I want to start with Romero, is give me a, a vision of what you think we're going to be looking towards in 2024. We have Biden and some Republican own a ticket. You got all of these Senate campaigns. You have these House races from Florida 27, Texas 50, like we mentioned. Do you think from what you're seeing now that we should be expecting anything different than what we have been seeing in Spanish advertising with Univision? So I'm clearly not in the 18 to 34 demographic. However, Shocking. <laughs> 35. 36. Um, but I am optimistic that I do see things changing. I do see more campaigns in 22 going up earlier than they have in the past. They did it in Texas with Governor Abbott. They did it in Nevada with, with uh, Senator Masto, DeSantis. Um, you name it. Pretty much everywhere, Kelly, um, everywhere where the candidate won, they went up early. And we I think what you just said, you know, your sister, is that I think that's the key. In all the places where, and Romero would back me up on this, where you saw people go in with an investment early, multilingual, multi-channel, they all won. Just like, you know, non-Hispanic. It's just, again, we're a swing block. And just reach us, engage with us early, stay on. We like the programming that we are interested in in terms of just, you know, what our interests are. And that happens to be Univision, that it will go. VIX, it can be, they will come to whatever platform they're looking for. And so the program is important. It's not just a Hispanic or non-Hispanic thing. It's about, you know, going after this block who is persuadable and engaged and engages. Romero, what we should be looking forward to in that? So I would say you're gonna see, in my opinion, you're gonna see a replica of what we saw in 2022. Um, to your point, Chuck, I think that there was not a whole lot of uh, campaign strategy uh, uh, for the candidates. Uh, it was more of a tactical uh, approach. Uh, it, it, I would say, you know, from, from the Republican side, uh, from the PAC side, a lot of uh, negative ads were here in this airwaves. You really hardly saw anything. 
Massive did a great job as well, obviously for her campaign. Um, but she definitely started early. I think that's one of the biggest things that I think it was in favor of uh, for her. Uh, but I think it's going to be another uh, battleground state uh, for 2024. Uh, I see probably similar revenue levels that we're going to be experiencing. It's, it's going to be a presidential year, uh, you know, another senatorial race with Jackie Rosen. Um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's going to come down to the, to the nitty gritty. Las Vegas, in my opinion, the, the major issues is obviously they've associated uh, success over the, over the Trump administration when he was in, in, in office. And since the Biden administration has been more of inflation, economic situation, education, that, these are some of the issues here locally. Uh, uh, inflation, economic inflation, education. And, um, you know, but again, to answer your question, I think it's definitely going to be another uh, very active year. Mike, what's your closing thought? Well, let me just say, uh, thanks again to campaigns and elections for making this panel possible. Um, and good luck to everybody with the Rio Awards tonight. Um, it, 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 this industry is changing. This profession is changing like the market is changing. No surprise, I think, to most of you, uh, our industry is a little bit of a lagging indicator. A lot, a lot of other industries have already figured this out, but the math no longer works. It used to be, again, when, when Chuck and I were doing this uh, very aggressively a couple decades ago, you could skirt around the Hispanic vote. You could try strategies like dramatically increasing the share of the white non-college educated rural vote. I guess you can still kind of try that, but every year you do that, it gets harder and harder and harder. Leaning into this vote, learning about it, understanding the nuances of it, and also meeting a lot more Latino strategists here at the conference that I've ever seen before is extraordinarily helpful. So let me just say, you know, terms like the sleeping giant no longer happen anymore. They're, Latinos are a critical part of winning the House for both parties, of winning the Senate for both parties, and winning the electoral amount to 270 on the road to the White House for both parties. It's unavoidable, and I appreciate all of you being here. Um, we're looking forward to having uh, answering some questions afterwards, too. Yeah, and I want to thank uh, Univision. I want to thank Telemundo, Romero, Marta. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank campaigns and elections for making space for this kind of a conversation. It's not lost on me, and a lot of you know me well enough to know that I call out uh, the need for diversity and consulting. And it starts with stuff like this. There's a lot of white folks in this room who helped me a lot start this firm 12 years ago who have been my friends, my mentors, in campaign and elections, and L2 for that matter, who's a sponsor of the podcast, has really made space for young black, brown, multicultural operatives so we can have these conversations. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. As much as I call out white consultants, we should also recognize white consultants and white groups who are helping us make space for this kind of conversation, Democrat, Republican, independent. I think that's really important. And in my long tenure doing this work, I've seen a lot of changes. And a lot of changes are going to continue to come down the pike. But it comes with having an open conversation and dialogue around what me and Mike's created. I mean, this is a dream that me and Mike came up with that we didn't think anybody would want to listen to my ass or him talk about this stuff in this much of a detail. But there's so many people that are tuning in and listening and wanting to be a part of the conversation. The average age of a Latino in America is 26. We're the majority in so many states now. It's changing the way we do electoral politics. It's going to continue to change the way that we do this work. I want to end this by recognizing Ken, our production team, recognizing the Solidarity team, recognizing our production teams back in D.C. that cut this up, and recognizing all the folks who have been on our show. 
Good luck, good luck to everybody tonight at the Reed Awards. I do appreciate all of you not rushing the stage when we're done here today for autographs or any of that stuff. We are really trying to keep this on the down low. And also, don't forget to tune in, like the podcast, share the podcast, tell your friends about it, stay tuned for the after hours, become a Patreon member, Kenna. Make sure that you're telling your friends and neighbors and even your crazy uncle who votes Republican from time to time. This is Chuck Rocha, Mike Madrid on his behalf. Thank you all for being a part of the show.